I checked out some game film recently. There's no Rotten Tomatoes coming to USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. Show your appreciation. It, it actually means a whole lot when you hit that thumbs up. Become a subscriber if you're watching on YouTube. It's easy. Hit the subscribe button. And because I come at you five times a week, hit that bell notification and you don't miss an episode. Never happens. So, have you seen any good movies lately? Look, I'll be honest with you. The last time I went to a movie theater, I think, honestly, I know it was sometime in the 90s, I, I just, but I can't remember the movie. But for some reason, the, the last time I went to a movie theater and I actually remembered the movie I went to, and it was probably because of the company I was with, but the movie Porky's had just come out. And I was with my girlfriend at the time and her mom. So yeah, it was a little awkward. If you've seen the movie, you understand. What wasn't awkward for me was spending some time uh, watching some recent uh, highlight videos of some of the more recent uh, USC commitments, or at least public commitments that are gonna be part of the 2024 recruiting class. So for this episode, um, I picked out three and we're gonna do this this is going to be a recurring theme uh, that's going to get us through the uh, the off season. By the way, we're in July. Fall camp is like three weeks away. That's how close we are. Anyways, we're going to talk about uh, Makai Sena, David Palipali, and Cameron Fountain. Now, I chose these three guys first, um, but again, there's going to be other other guys we're going to talk about throughout the uh, the rest of summer. I'm going to keep you involved. Take you to the movies. Bring the popcorn. So, Makai Sina. Now, if you had a chance or you haven't had a chance, you'll probably hear the same thing um, that I said on the We Are SC Inside the Trojan Huddle uh, weekly podcast. But here's my impression after watching uh, Makai's acting performance. He's a bully, straight up. And uh, he's a gooch. And I'm talking about the one from the TV show, Different Strokes, the one who made Arnold's life miserable. Yeah, we're going to stay away from the other other connotation. Anyways, um, straight up bully when you watch him play. He's a mauler, and he loves to finish off his opponents um, in, in those one-on-one -on -one repetitions during the game. He finishes them off with pancakes. He literally will draw, he plays through the whistle and he loves to punish his guys by, by kind of planting them into the ground. Uh, and this is the type of aggressive attitude that you want from your offensive lineman. So again, you know, he played some tackle in high school. He, uh, he's forecasted at least at USC to play interior offense, play on the interior. Uh, what else, some of the other things I noticed when I was watching his film, he, uh, he has really good leverage. He maintains a solid leg base, good balance. He doesn't get out over his skis. 
Um, he doesn't, you know, lean forward too much. He doesn't spread his feet out too much uh, farther, you know, wider than his shoulders. And another thing is he doesn't get caught sitting in a chair. And anybody who's uh, who, who's played football practice, you understand what I mean by that. If you, if you get caught sitting in a chair and you get hit, you're going to end up on your butt. Don't look like you're sitting in a chair. And he, he also has a really strong leg drive. Uh, again, he played tackle in high school. I think the staff loves his versatility at USC, and they project him to play inside. Extremely strong hands, because once he gets a hold of you, game over. You're, you're going to end up losing that battle. And as far as his pass protection, um, in boxing uh, terminology, he's got a really good jab. You know, he can't punch, but um, he, he, he keeps the opponent at a distance and that that makes the uh, the defender have to kind of take the the circuitous you know scenic route to get to the quarterback you got to take the long way around you're not going to go through him you're going you're gonna to have to go around him and footwork it's not too bad uh, again he has a little bit of the uh those penguin happy feet you know pitter patter but you, you want to be light on your feet and that's coachable i i just think you want him not to not to look so quick um, again, I, I'm kind of nitpicking here. I'd encourage people to go watch his film. I, I'd liken his style to a former USC offensive lineman back in the day, Fred Matua. It's good company. David Polipoli, defensive lineman out of uh, Landisburg, Pennsylvania, just outside of Harrisburg, which is sort of near Philadelphia. He... Uh, he plays defensive end. He can play, you know, rush in, hand, you know, as a you know, stand up. But he also plays with his hand in the dirt. Uh, defensive tackle, nose tackle over the ball. What I've noticed is he's got a really good first step. He's quick, good burst at the end. He, he will, when he tackles you, you you're gonna feel it. He drives through you. Um, and. If he's playing on defensive end, he will actually work his way down the line of the, down the line of scrimmage. Um, if the play is going away from him, it's it's not like he he plays uh, at fifty or seventy five percent if he's not if it doesn't look like he's gonna be a part of the play. He's playing hundred percent from the snap to the whistle. In other words, he's got good motor. He's tenacious. He plays through the whistle. That's what you want to see from your defensive guys. He uses his feet really well. Uh, doesn't get pushed out of the play. Uh, he doesn't lose gap integrity. And again, I know I'm, I know I'm watching highlight films, so you're, you're only seeing the best of him. But he doesn't get caught up in the wash. And for defensive linemen, you want to be able to keep moving. You don't want to kind of get swallowed up and not being able to participate in the play. He in other words, he finds a way to be in on the tackle at the end. So he, he's going to play either defensive tackle or nose tackle at SC. You can see how powerful he is now and how powerful he can be with the right training. I, I guess because he's going to play inside, whether it's over the ball or defensive tackle, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Cedric Ellis, Jarrell Casey, kind of in that mold somewhere. The third guy, Cameron Fountain, rush end edge, Defensive end from Georgia, out of the state of Georgia. The first thing that pops out at me when I was watching him on the screen, his size and speed. 
I mean, six foot five. They actually list them at six foot five and a half. So uh, I'll knock that half inch off. 237 pounds. Let's round that down to 235. Regardless, whatever the true numbers are, he's going into his high, into his senior season of high school. I have a feeling he's still growing. Those are good numbers to focus on. Long arms, but powerful too. You know, I, we like to focus on uh, on the footwork. Quick first step. Also, really smart. He knows how to use his opponent's uh, weight to his own advantage. So uh, if the other guy is going one way, uh, he's going to make sure that offensive lineman continues to go that direction, and he kind of pinballs off of him to get to, to go the direction he wants to go. And what's interesting about this guy, you know, I was looking at some of his offers. It, it's, a, it's a mix. You've got the big-name programs in there, but it, there's also a lot of, We'll call them next tier below programs. So I'm not sure that he's going to come in and play right away. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a pass rush, pass rush specialist. Not a whole lot of highlights out there with him going against the run. But I guess if I want to compare him to somebody, there was another guy that came into USC and Lincoln Riley kept him around. And he, this is who he kind of reminds me of. Devin Tompkins, because uh, they both played high school basketball. So I think the reason why uh, Roy Manning and the and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch are really high on this guy, athlete, pure athlete, and they, I, I think they, they see the potential there. Again, his size just pops out at you. And you start getting guys 6'5", 235 that can run, that are athletes, that can jump. That's what you want at that rush end position. You know what else you want? You need America's number one sports book. And that's why you need to head on over to FanDuel because they are America's number one sports book. And we're right in the middle of baseball season. It's in full swing. There's literally no better place to get in on all of the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball at FanDuel, and you, you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks, and you're going to land $200 in bonus bets, even if you lose. That's $200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line. You like to bet the over-under? Go for it. Who's going to hit the first home run of the game? Who's going to steal the base? You can bet on that at FanDuel. And you can do that on an app that's really safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and best of all, they pay you instantly. So, literally, there's no better place to get in to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Hey, you everydayers. And if you're not an everydayer, make yourself an everyday viewer of Locked on USC. It's where you want to come for your use information. 
part of the Locked On Network every day. So the reason you're going to want to come back tomorrow for another episode is because I'm going to do some more film breakdown. I'm not sure which players yet, but uh, I think everybody's interested in every, every recruit that USC's got committed so far in the class. But for this segment, we're going to talk about the top five, the Pac-12 top five defenses as voted on by the Locked On hosts. So here they are. You tell me, what do you think? In order, you've got Utah, Oregon State, Washington, Oregon, Washington State. So let me go over the 2022 statistics while, you're, while I let you stare at that for a few minutes. Here are the, the, here are the top defenses in the Pac-12 statistically in 2022. Number one, Utah. They gave up 317 yards per game. Oregon State, 342, Washington, 368, Oregon, 386, Washington State, 394, UCLA was number six at 400 yards per game. Oh, looky here, USC, number seven. They gave up 405 yards per game. Number eight was ASU, 421, Cal, 429, Stanford, 434, Arizona, 467, and Colorado, 509 yards per game. So there you go. Those were the top five. And those are, as you noticed, statistically, that's how you see the top five as voted on in 2023. They match up. Utah, Oregon State, Washington, Oregon, Washington State. Well, here's those same defenses, yards per play allowed. Oregon State was number one. They gave up 5.2 yards per game per play. Washington was next at five and a half. Utah was number three at 5.6 yards per, uh, per play. UCLA was fourth at 5.7. Wazoo, fifth at 5.72. So, mox mix between UCLA and Washington State. Cal, 5.83. Oregon was seven at 5.89 per play. ASU was eight at six yards. Here comes USC, number nine. They gave up 6.3 yards per play. 10, 11, and 12 in order. Stanford, Arizona, Colorado. So these were the teams that were voted the top five defenses in the conference for 2023. Coincidence that they match up with the, the 2022 stats? I don't know. Your locked on hosts were the voters, myself included. So do you agree or disagree that Utah will have the best defense followed by Oregon State, Washington, Oregon, and Wazoo in 2023. I mean, if those are the best, then maybe USC wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, I, I'm ducking for cover. Let's just say USC was worse than the ones ahead of them. Is that a fair statement? I mean, it's. let's just... It's not like Utah had any, had any answer for USC's offense in either game. I mean, it took Superman pulling up lame in the conference championship game because uh, Utah was not going to have another big scoring run. I mean, it was they were down 17-3 to when Caleb pulled his hamstring, and that was early in the game. They had no answer for USC's offense. So if that's the best defense... 
I mean, how many points did Utah surrender in their other losses? I know they didn't lose to USC, but they gave up 42 to UCLA. They gave up 43 in their win to against USC in their first game. They gave up 35 in their loss to Penn State in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, when they played Oregon, Bo Nix wasn't, uh, he wasn't available. Uh, Oregon State, when they played USC, they, they probably played them tougher than anybody. And because I'm a kind of a low-key Beaver fan, um, I'm cool with their position. I'm okay with that. At least statistically, you know, the number number-wise, they're number one. Washington at number three. Now, that's interesting. This is why stats are so deceiving. They gave up 20, 28 points to Michigan State. Michigan State did not have a good offense last year. In fact, they had one of the, well, they didn't have a good offense last year. They also gave up 40 and 45 in losses to UCLA and Arizona State, respectively. Mm-hmm. They also had, you know, they gave up 39 points in their win against Arizona. They gave up 34 points to Oregon in a win. And again, Bo Nix, I'm not, I don't know where he was in that game. I should pull back on that one. And then they also um, gave up 33 in their win over Washington State. So, yeah, um, I, I just don't understand how they come in at number three. What, what, what are we seeing? What did everybody else see? So let's move on to number four. I'm sorry, but the Ducks defense last year, if USC was hot garbage, Oregon's defense was the trash going inside USC's flaming garbage bucket. They were the fuel. I mean, and let's be honest here. I mean, Dan Landing is a defensive head coach, right? Maybe Kirby Smart was the brains behind Georgia's defense. I know Dan Lanning was the defensive coordinator. Quotes, finger quotes. Um, Mario Cristobal, his predecessor at Oregon, left the cupboard stocked with high-ranking recruits and players. I know USC fans used to complain about it all the time. So in 2022, Oregon got hammered by Georgia in their first game. They gave up 49 points. They gave up 41 in their win over Washington State. 27 to Stanford. If you watched Stanford last year, Stanford sucked. Sorry, they were horrible. And they gave up 37 points and 38 points respectively um, to their rivals, Washington and Oregon State. That's a good defense. Like I said, I know USC fans love to say, and I'm not disagreeing, USC's defense left a lot to be desired. We, we know how they ended the season. I'm just like, I'm kind of giving everybody a little food for thought here. That maybe the offenses in the Pac-12 are just really, really good. And USC's defense last year didn't have enough time to kind of catch up to, what, to the offense. We're going to see what that defense looks like in year two at USC. But number five defensively in the conference, Wazoo. Now, let's not forget, last year they won seven and six. Seven wins on the Palouse, seven, that's a good season. Anytime you go to a bowl game, that's a great season in, in Pullman. But in their six losses, 
They gave up 44 to Oregon. By the way, that was in Pullman. They gave up 30 on the road to USC. 24 to Oregon State on the road. They gave up 21 at home to Utah. They gave up 51 to Washington at home. And they surrendered 29 points in their loss to Fresno, their bowl game. So, do we want to use the stats to formulate our opinions? You know, is that where we're going to plant our flag, USC fans? Stats don't lie? Well, that's not true. We know that. We can manipulate stats any way we want. Or, you know, do we want to just use our own eyeballs? I think that's the best way. <laughs> we can use the stats to kind of back up our opinions. But let's just use, let, let's, who passes the eyeball test? <clears throat> Was there really anybody who had a good defense last year? Statistically, I laid it out for you. I think USC's defense is going to be better than they were last year, statistically number seven in the conference. <clears throat> Again, we don't need USC to have a top 20 defense nationally, but if they can get into that top 40, we know their offense is going to be top five, if not top three, if not top in the country. Like I said, year two, deeper roster, a lot more depth with bigger, faster, stronger, better players that are being recruited as well as that came in over through the transfer portal. You're going to see a difference on the defensive side of the ball in year two. If you don't, you know where to find me. And you can find me here at Locked on USC five times a week. You know that. Okay. So the third segment, if you're looking there at the, uh, the rundown for the show, we've gone over the uh, USC's 24 and 2025 Big Ten schedule. We know who they're going to play when those schedules were released. What we didn't know when they were originally released earlier in June was who was when they were going to be playing those games and where. So we don't have the times yet, but we do have the dates. So we know when USC is going to be playing on the road and when they're playing at home. Check this out. I'm going to throw this up there for you guys to look at. I think you're going to like this. There's USC's 2024 schedule with dates and locations. Let that sink in for a second. I'm going to go over this while you're looking at that. We know they're opening up in Vegas against LSU. Neutral site game. Then they're at home against San Jose State. Then they travel to Northwestern. They travel to Purdue the following week. So it's going to be interesting. Is USC going to go back and forth to Chicago, to Illinois, and Indiana back-to-back -back weeks? Or do they stay out there for a week? Let's see how that dynamic plays out. They're at home versus Iowa for game number one, two, three, four, five. Then they're back on the road all the way to the East Coast this time. Maryland. Ugliest uniforms this side of Oregon. And then USC gets a bye week. 
And then they head right back up to the East Coast, October 19th. Is this going to be the whiteout game? Penn State. There you go. And then they finish off the second half of the season at home. Basically, they don't leave the state. Illinois, October 26th, November 2nd, they host Michigan. November 9th, they host Wisconsin. USC gets a second bye week before UCLA. Check that out. They're at they're at UCLA, but that's really USC's home away from home at the Rose Bowl. And then USC will host Notre Dame to close out the season. Okay. I don't know about you, but that is one hell of a schedule. I cannot wait. Now, what did you notice? Probably the same thing I noticed. That first half of the season, USC is going to be putting on some frequent flyer mileage. <laughs> but once you get past the Penn State game, that's it. You're done traveling. You know, it's, again, for the media... From my own perspective, from the media perspective, that's a lot of back and forth. I'm considering just right now that Purdue, that Northwestern Purdue, I'm thinking I'm staying out there for that entire week. I might miss practice if USC comes after California. What do you think about that schedule, though? I mean, that's just, this is what fans have to get prepared for. So now that you see what's out there, you can kind of start pre-planning. I don't know if you can get uh, airfare or hotel rooms this far in advance, but you can start saving and uh, you can decide you know, which games you're going to go to. Are you? Do you want to fly to Indiana in week number four and then fly, excuse me, week, fly to Illinois week four and then fly to Indiana week five? And then, you know, you're going to get a get a week off at home against Iowa and then fly back to Maryland. This is going to be, I think, the biggest adjustment for everybody. But this is this is the type of adjustment I think everybody's looking forward to. Again, that's 2024. We've got the dates. We've got the locations. You got to love USC's second half of the season. Because they're going to stay at home. They're not going to have to get on an airplane. I can't remember the last time that's happened. This is a really interesting, interesting scheduling um, paradigm shift. What do you think? I want your feedback. I need to hear from you guys. Hit me up on the YouTube comments. Find me over there on WeRSC.com when you're not making Locked on USC your first listen. Don't forget... You can talk to me at the uh, Tuesday Trojan Club, July 11th, Cabrillo Harbor. Head over to Facebook, sign up, RSVP. Once you're a member, it's free. Looking forward to seeing you out there. I'm also looking forward to seeing you on the next episode of Locked on USC because we come at you five times a week. So until that next episode, which is tomorrow, first thing, everyone, you know what to do.